You're now tuned into the Hardwood Brand Podcast with your favorite guys, Dorian and Kyle. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Hardwood Brand Podcast. It's your favorite guys, Kyle and Dorian. If this is your first time listening, welcome and thanks for checking us out. To our regular listeners, welcome back and thanks for rolling with us. On this podcast, we discuss basketball-related topics, and we hope you find our conversations entertaining and educational. If you do, go back to our previous podcast and check them out. And with that said, let's sub ourselves in the game and get this ball moving. On this episode of the Hardwood Brand Podcast, Kyle and I got to sit down with the talented, very down-to-earth, genuine guy, Keon Kendrick, coach of Redemption and L.A. Loops in the Drew League, and just an all-around great guy. We were so honored to have him be on this podcast and talk basketball. Kyle and I were like kids in the candy store getting to talk to somebody of that caliber that has a you know a very knowledgeable mind. Yeah, yeah. As far as it goes with basketball. Yeah, easy. And I feel like our conversation was – was great, man. A great story behind it. Great story. How he, where he started from and then where he ended up. Exactly. Because you would think somebody with his talent and his past as far as being a great high school player and being highly touted coming out of college, you would think that the NBA was destined for him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had to overcome some obstacles. Yeah, and, things happen. And now life. he's one of the best trainers in the world. Trainers, coaches. Coaches, too. Um for all pro ends. Yeah. I know we didn't get to talk about it on the podcast, but I know he does a lot of work with the Drew League Junior which is team, cool. which he's very passionate about. He always talks about on his social media about learning from the past mm-hmm. and doing so that we can help the youth. And I think that's pretty dope. I'm yeah. not that's verbatim, but Yeah. And and more importantly than anything, he he has a great spirit and great soul he about does. him. He does. I mean, you would think somebody that that is on, and we put him. We put him high up. We were kind of intimidated when we saw him at the Drew, right? Because everybody knows him. Exactly. And we're like, oh, we got to go talk to him. What is he going to say? And great spirit about him. Yeah. I mean, he 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 treated us like he knew us for years, and we we feel like we got a friend out of it. Yeah. And he was a, such a nice guy. So we would love to have him back. I look forward to having him yeah. for part two. Just we basketball def- talk. Right. You know. So Keon. The door is always open always. for you if you need the platform to talk uh, about anything. We're always here. Yeah. The door is open for us, and we we really enjoyed the conversation. So, with that being said, sit back and enjoy this episode with Keon Kendrick. Yes, sir. Welcome back to another Hardwood Brand Podcast. I'm your boy Dorian. Your favorite boy in the building, Ross. And today we have a special guest, somebody we uh, we, we wanted to get on our podcast for a minute. Just taking it back, we'll do a little intro. He's a multi-CIF city and state champion from Dominguez Dons. Uh, he was a well-regarded trainer and owner of CLC Training Company. And he's also one of the best coaches in L.A., Mr. Keon Kendrick. Fellas, appreciate you. Thank you guys for so much. Pleasure to be here. Thank, Thank you, man. Here. Thanks for being here. We appreciate your time. We'll just jump right in, man. Can you talk about your journey as a, you know, a hooper from your high school days to where you are now? That journey is interesting. 
you know, a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of ups and downs. Um, I'm one of those stories you always hear about growing up. Um, the guy who was so good and the injuries kind of took over and his career went south. I was just able to rebound from it and change the direction and change the path. Uh, you know, highly talented high, high school player, one of the top players in the country. Uh, went into college and college career fell into a lot of injuries. Uh, had my first major injury sophomore year and then uh, second major injury my senior year. I uh, was able to go play professionally for three years after college and then found out um, I have the same uh, disease Brandon Roy has, which mm. forced me to walk away from the game at the age of 27. And, uh, you know, coming from the streets I come from, South Central Los Angeles, you know, we can't cry about, you know, things that we don't control. Right. So we got to figure a way out and, and find your next move. And training and coaching was just a natural transition. Cool. So who was your first client? Being a trainer. Yeah, do you remember that? Of course. <laughs> all my players, you know, it's uh, it's just that type of atmosphere where I'm I, I'm impressionable in these guys' lives. I remember every kid, every adult player that I helped. Uh, my first NBA player was uh, Ronald Flip Murray. And uh, Flip was on the tail end of his career trying to get back into the NBA. And through mutual friends, uh, he was out here in L.A. getting ready to work out for the Lakers and Clippers. And uh, he needed somebody to, you know, keep him in shape or whatnot, get him ready for his workouts. And, uh, I ended up having him for two months. Um, San Antonio was interested, so they sent him to their D-League affiliate. He ended up winning the championship in Austin and then getting called up to Memphis the next year. So hey, it, let's was, it was great to see your product, you know, get to the get back to the NBA stage. So you said your first NBA player. Who was your very first person that you ever trained? <laughs> Sheldon Bailey. Okay. Out of uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, was the person who pushed me into becoming a trainer. It was not what I wanted to do. That's what we were going to ask. It was not what I wanted to okay. do. So once basketball was over, you know, the way the system is flawed, where I have three degrees mm-hmm. in college and never had a job in my life, you know, uh, athletes on scholarship can't work. Right. So I had no work experience, never had a nine to five. So I tried to work field and I'll get to the second interview, but it's more expensive to train me than it is to hire me. True. I couldn't get a job, and I ended up uh, putting a team in the Drew League. Um, played it since I was in high school, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to play in the Drew League, and I had a mutual, I had a friend at that time who wanted to participate, so we put a team together, and he's from Dallas, me being from L.A., he knew some people, and uh, we were getting guys that were coming from other states that were in Los Angeles that wanted to play in the Drew League, and uh, Sheldon Bailey was one of those guys. Sheldon not being from here, uh, matter of fact, side note, you guys do know who Sheldon is. He's LeBron's body double. So you see oh, him wow. in commercials. He's okay. Body double. Um, he's an actor. Uh, he's play, he plays in Shameless. Um, he's on one of the shows on Nickelodeon. He's in all the commercials. Okay. That's my player. Nice. Farm and all that okay. Stuff. You see it, you, you'll know who he is. Um, but during that time, you know, he's out here from North Carolina. He's looking for a gym and mm-hmm. you know, get some reps in and play up and get some up and down in. Um, so we connected and then we ended up getting in the gym together. Me knowing that I'm not pursuing professional basketball anymore, my workouts go in in about 30, 45 minutes, you know, but he's still playing, so mm-hmm. he wants a little more. So when I'm done, he was like, Key, you know, could you, like, put me through some drills or something? And being a point guard my entire life, remembering positions with mm-hmm. playing with Tyson Chandler and mm-hmm. my forwards throughout college, like, I knew what guys were supposed to do. So it was just natural that I was able to tell him what he needed to work on and break his game down. We did it for maybe a week, and then pulled me to the side and was like, you ever thought about being a trainer? Like, 
Nah, man. Like, who are trainers? How much they make? Like, this is not a business we right. fall into. So, did my research, found out it's a lucrative business, and there's ways to affect lives, and there you have it. I full fledged went into it. Just became a uh, like around what year was this? I decided to create CLC on my birthday. Oh wow, that's dope. So talk about talk about CLC and tell us what what it means. And CLC basketball. Well, I didn't want to be generic. Me and my name has two K's in it. We yeah. want to go two K sports, K squared basketball. So I wanted to come up with a saying, um, a mantra that was bigger than basketball, but you could tie everything into it. Okay. It basketball or life and CLC. The acronym stands for consistency leads to currency, which regardless of any facet of life, it's true. You know, you work nine to five, you work hard as a job, you deserve to pay that. You know, if you're not consistent at your job, whether good or bad, you either get a promotion or get fired. So the consistency word meant something. So mm-hmm. I felt that even though your currency in our mind means money, but currency could be other things. It's just what you want out of it, but you have to be consistent in order to get it. And that's where CLC came from. That's dope, man. I, I really like that. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. that's dope. It's trademark branded. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all listening, y'all can't take it. It's already tricky. <laughs> yeah, it's done. You will be soon. Oh, man. So why do you think so many players trust you as a trainer and, your, like, your techniques and what you have to offer? I think it comes down to the knowledge of the game. The one thing that I'm a big fan of is it's hard to believe people that haven't been through it. And from my track record, from my past experience of people that have followed, especially in the Los Angeles market, being the high school player that I was growing mm-hmm. up or even into college, they knew what kind of player I was. So I wasn't the dude at the end of the bench who didn't right. play, and then all of a sudden saw somebody outside and was like, oh, let me help you. I have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, I remember telling my guys, now even to this day, some of my NBA players was like, I train dudes that I'm better than. Wow. Train dudes that, like, literally looked up to me or yeah. guys that, like, we were peers and teammates. Oh, I wow. Trained my, I trained some of my high school teammates, you know? Like, and it's a unique experience because, like, they're older. Flip Murray's my first pro. He was older than me. And let's be realistic. What can a dude that didn't play in the NBA tell the NBA player? Exactly. But Flip knew my background. You know, he understood that I played at the highest level. Not necessarily the NBA, but mm-hmm. I played against some of the greatest competition on the planet. I was teammates with LeBron. I was going to yeah. So I know what it is to be competitive, and I know what it is to be a good defender and be able to have the ability to score or pass the ball. I was one of the original big guards that could do a little bit of everything. I almost averaged a triple-double in high school. So... It's one of those things I was able to adapt to the game, learn it faster, yeah. being a point guard, your extension of the coach. So I took that knowledge and ran with it to the players. I'm able to know where you are on the floor if you're a shooting yeah. guard, if you're a four or a five. I know you're supposed to be on the floor. Right, I know what right. moves you're supposed to work. Exactly. I, Tyson Chandler. Yeah. I know how bigs are supposed to set screens, run right, to right. the basket, how to finish. And so I just took that off into training. So you, so you train not just point guards. You I train, train every everybody. person that wants to play basketball. All ages, all all, all, all talent. Like Women that. as well. Yeah, correct? WNBA players. Okay. At least five WNBA players. Nice. What's your favorite position to train? Of course, point guards. <laughs> you know, but it's actually the, the most difficult to deal with because it's so hard much. to put my brain in your head and, and have you think the way I think. Right? It's hard to teach awareness. It's, it's even more difficult to teach IQ. It's like I'm trying to get you to see what I see, but it's repetition in my head. I've yeah, seen it so much. Exactly. And you may have not seen it. So the only way we're going to learn is the one you're in a game setting. On you in Air West and, 
and being able to see if you're able to watch the, the game slow down for you, see the pocket pass, see the skip pass, mm-hmm. or know when to pull up, knowing when there's a layup versus a floater, when to go all the way, when the jump stop. So those type of things is hard to teach if you haven't seen it enough. That's where in my workouts we try to make everything as realistic as possible. You know, when I first started, my workouts looked like an obstacle course. I thought overdoing things was the way to go. Swear you had a hundred cones. I was gonna say so a lot of cones. Traditional trainer. That's what. That's what. So you see it, and I'm just like, all right, in my head, I know what it works for, but it's not basketball. So as I got better, and I got to work with exceptional talents like Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, and being able to be around Tim Grover, I was able to watch how you break the game down. It's not a cone inside. Right. (laughs) It's literally the game of basketball. Being able to pass to him, and they have to envision. The goal. Yeah. So I was I was blessed to be in that position. Talk about how how you got hooked up with Tim Grover because that's a that's a great plug, man. So bar, that is a great was, plug. It was it was pure happenstance, as you know, we, which we'll talk about later. Air West. So we were doing an event. Air West is sponsored by Nike. I was mm-hmm. doing an event for Nike, which was like the day in the life of the Kobe experience. So being Tim Grover works with Kobe at that time. He's working with Kobe. He needed two assistants. My relationship with Nike, they're like, cool, we got a trainer up and coming, like, let's, you go help Tim. And they had another guy, a good friend of mine who we'll talk about as well, AJ Diggs. So we both come in, it's like, all right, me and AJ have been on each other since high school, he's a trainer now, he actually works with the Austin Spurs. I played um, against AJ yeah. back in the day. So <laughs> I'm coming in, I'm up in my first year as a trainer, you mm-hmm. know, clientele is more local than, than, than NBA. And uh, we just hit it off, just that realism, you know, there's... Tim is real, like, tell you the truth, you know, about things that may work and things that won't work and how you see the game. If you if you have an a, a, a expansive knowledge or if you really need to get back to research. So I picked his brand, you know. I, I just took a leap of faith. And when we were in the locker room prepping for what we we're about to do in the workouts, I was asking why how. <laughs> then, of course, the first thing everybody do when they see Tim Grover, you ask George about, you ask Spencer about Jordan. Exactly. And I'm... I'm the biggest Kobe Bryant fan. He was taken back that I wasn't so Jordan. Uh, I'm not hypersensitive Jordan. Like, I think Kobe Bryant may be the greatest player of people in basketball. So he wanted to know why I felt that way. Right. Of his relationship with Jordan. So when he felt there was some push and pull, it actually made us come together. You know, hey, man, take my number down, man. You know, because I was able to, to give him my reasons right. why I think Kobe may be better and whatnot. And it just built that relationship. Wow. That's crazy, man. So you just basically took advantage of your opportunities, man. you're supposed to. Yeah, you got to, man. Wow. So, I mean, you talked about Nike and everything like that. I want to go back. What's the difference between coaching and training? Like, for the average person that might be listening in or that, that doesn't really know, in your eye, what's the, what's the difference between... Attention to detail. Okay. Attention to detail is the exact fundamental reason mm-hmm. you're either a trainer or a coach. The reason I do both is because coaching is more on a bigger scale with more people. Training is purely intimate. Purely right. you and me locked in the gym. Right. I'm trying to help you get better piece by piece. Coaching, I have to take five, ten people and have us all see the same vision and then be able to micromanage each one to mm-hmm. fit their puzzle piece. You know, whether I train all the players on the floor, we all play a role together. And that's where the maturity comes from me through that maturation process and being able to know what guys fit where. Being that trainer, I know talent levels. I gotta know if this superstar can play with this superstar. Mm-hmm. So I'm like a, my own GM in my head. You know, seeing who do I pull to play with this guy, who's the complimentary guy, who's your role guy, who's your Draymond? 
You know, I got my KD and my Steph. Where's right. my Draymond? Where's my JaVel McGee? My Iguodala? That's where it is in training. Because when we're locked in the gym, I have to strictly make your skill your skill set better. But when I'm coaching, I have to make sure your skill set works with everyone else. I like that. Yeah, so that goes, I mean, we can just just segue into the coaching aspect mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. So you coach not just one team in the Drew. You coach two teams in yes, the Drew. Yes, coach of the year last year. Man. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> man. And I think I read somewhere you won coach of the year in, in every Los Angeles. Program. Which is crazy. Men and women, right? The only, the only women, the only coach to win uh, coach of the year in the women's uh, Drew. That's crazy. They, I think they just made the award for me. Because <laughs> it, it was not rewarded last year. I really? The only one. Wow. That's a big thing, man. It is. I, I mean, I take full, you know. A lot of blessings from it, you know, yeah. because it's a, it's, a, it's a reward and an accomplishment. You know, I want to be acknowledged for the change that I make, whether in men's or women's lives, especially in the game of basketball. So to say that I'm able to put the talent together, coaching the victory, or coaching to where people think that I'm special in that regard, I'll take it. Yeah, so with your two teams in the Drew, you handpick these guys? I coach, my teams that I coach are yeah. players that I train. Okay. So those are my guys. They're all hands on. Nice. You got some some hitters in your I team. do. I do. I do. I have some of the, the most special talent in Los yeah. Angeles outside of our NBA players that we all know. Right, right, right. Like, I do have the second tier of pros. Some of the top players in China, Turkey, Israel, Europe, yeah. South America. I, those are my guys. You know, if you looked at both of my teams this year, I had – the, the guy that won the championship in first division France. Right. I had the player of the year in Germany. I had, the, I had the Austin Spurs leading scorer. Um, I had uh, the leading scorer in in France. I had uh, the second leading scorer in Lebanon. It's my team is full of pros, and that's why I coach them. So people out there, like this guy knows what he's talking about. So I think I do. I believe I do. You do, man. You don't and, have to be some humble. People, and some, I mean, I have to be humble. Yeah, though, yeah. You know, Because I'm still growing. You know, a man that knows everything knows nothing. So this is true. I'm trying to continue to find ways that I can continue to challenge myself and learn more about this game. So I don't think you. Had, why two teams though? Too many players. I mean, I coach four teams. That'd be exactly how it is. The so it's, on these stakes. So it's so it's like a thing where you wanna. You train these guys, but you also want to help them further by having them play in that team setting so that what you guys work on in your workouts can translate into game time experiences. But also, I, I play more of just the trainer in my players' lives. Okay. I'm the coach, trainer, mentor, brother, agent, broker, uh, hopefully never a lawyer, but <laughs> I handle some of my players' finances you know, because I've been able to see these things. Yeah, and dealing with NBA guys and their contracts and dealing with overseas guys and theirs, I'm able to differentiate like what you're not seeing, you know, and, and help these guys. You know, the, the first thing you ask yourself for guys that play sports or even ladies, when you graduate college, who's telling you how to become a pro? They tell us how to get to college. They tell you how to stay in college. Yeah. Who is telling you how to be a pro? Because mind you, we understand the percentages about how many players make it to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Who's going to sit there and be like, look, props? I, I can tell you how to be an overseas pro. How? No one's going to tell you. Right. That. So when I got into this business, that was the focus. Overseas guys that don't know. Now, how do you reach out to agents? How do you get an agent? Yeah. Because if you're that guy, agents come to you. What right. if you're not? What if you're the seventh best player on your team? The agent ain't calling you. You know, how do I get in touch with agents? You know, what, what are the countries that my particular talent plays in? Players don't know that. 
So I made it my business to find it out and then reach out to the players. That's dope because I always often wonder myself. We talk about that all the time during the draft, everything. Yeah. I mean, I graduated in 98, so, like, the whole AAU thing kind of wasn't as big, but it was starting. So, like, for me growing up as a kid, it was always NBA or nothing else. You didn't know about overseas. Like, you heard about the overseas, but you thought, like, that was, oh, no, nah, I don't want to play overseas. You thought it was a fail. Like agreed. A, I, agreed. I agree. But now it's different. I think the mentality was because we were so driven to be in the NBA. Exactly. And it was like, like you said, it's like that one class pass or fail. Yep. You know, and it's like, if I don't make it to the NBA, especially where we're from, if you're that guy in your community, yeah. it's like, if I don't make it to the league, it's like the ultimate failure. Exactly. And I fell into that. I fell into that trap being where I'm from. I'm, it's two people where I'm from that were like the guy. It was Jason Hart and then it was Paul Pierce. Yep. So... Paul Pierce is more the Eaglewood side, mm-hmm. more the Seal Central side of it was Jason Hart. Exactly. Literally, I grew up under his shot. Wow. Two streets down, same elementary, same middle school. Wow. Brothers, family, like I literally watching him grow. I wear his number. It's like a, you know, a, a, a crowning, a passing of the torch where it's like, if I want to wear number five, Jason Hart has to tell me I'm okay to wear number five. Ah. Uh. You know, and, and that's kind of how it is for us. Like, mm-hmm. You didn't know, like Jason went to the NBA and all right, I'm cool. I, I can get his high school stats. Yeah. Might be able to get beat him in, in, in college. After my injuries, I don't know if I'm going to get to the league. And then when you don't, because you, you all have those friends, those homeboys. Yeah. The, the, your mom's going to hype you. Your dad's going, oh, my son's going to be in the sports. <laughs> right, you right. I got out of college, and I just, Keith, when you go to the NBA, you going to play for the Lakers? And I'm just like, NBA is so out of reach right now for me. Uh, I was watching the game. I can't wait to see you on that TV. I was like, you better get uh, the NBA league pass or – you better hope they're doing some Euro something. Right, right. I may not make it. Because did I read, like, you walked away from the game completely for a minute, right? Completely, yeah. Which is the hardest thing I've ever had right. in my life. Because it's something that you love for so, like, growing up as a kid. Like for, like, for me, like, I'm a huge basketball fan. And to not have basketball, like, in your life, like you're saying, is it's, that's tough. I mean, but you got to remember, this is all we know, you know. And it's that, it's that bad marriage. How long am I going to stay in this? You know, just imagine holding on the ball line. Who's hurting who? Right, right. And I'm, I'm holding on to it. <laughs> exactly. Like, I can let it go and like, be fine. It won't yeah. hurt anymore. But I'm holding on to it. So I had to reevaluate things, reprioritize my life. Just like, damn, I've given this thing every, literally blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. Surgeries. Ugh. Months and, like, most people get a little ankle sprain a few weeks. I said a maximum of two years from basketball. Just injuries alone. Uh, ACL is six to eight months. Microfracture five to five months to a full year. Then the degenerative car disease is career. <laughs> Greg Oden, Brandon Broy. Um, uh, it ended. Um, what's my man playing the NBA? Uh, oh, Who? Man, I can't think of his name. Playing the. It's gonna come to me later. But you know when that injury first happened, Mark Stoudemire. Like when it happened to Eddie Curry. When it happened to those guys, like. Season-ending injury. Jamal Maxwell, that's what I'm thinking about. Oh, like, man. Ended his career. Yeah. You know, and it happened to me. I was like the 12th person to have a microfracture. Like, that's crazy. The science on it wasn't as it where it is now. Right. I may be able to come back from it. We've seen players come back mm-hmm. from it. At that time, you remember when you graduated high school, the ACL was the dream. Yeah, that was it. That's it. <laughs> we all remember when Barrett got hurt. Oh. We thought it was over. That's it, man. <laughs> the ACL was a dream killer. So I had a microfracture and an ACL. Yeah. Oh, that man. I was an athletic guy, you know. I was always big. I was... I graduated high school at 65 to 25. Dang. Ran a 4-4, had a 40-inch vertical. Like, I was the hybrid. Some people would tell you, I don't claim I don't claim this, but 
the LeBron before LeBron. Right. Or the better version of a Shea Cotton. Wow. The original Westbrook. Well, my numbers are average 23 to yeah. 8 in high school. I remember seeing you play. Like, I remember you being a big dude, and I'm like, damn, dude, I would have had to guard this dude. Yeah. Like, One day we always have conversations about that. Like, like Kyle, I'll tell you, like, I'm small in stature, but I, I, I try not to play like a small dude, but, like, playing somebody like you, like, that's insane. We, we play. I mean, we, we could play, but we were very modest. It's crazy because I don't like the post, but I can shoot. So I like to shoot all the time. And he will get in the post. So when we play dudes in pickup or, or dudes are looking like, oh, big man's going, I'm like, no, I can shoot, though. I can dribble a little bit. Yeah. So he'll get in the post and we'll reverse <laughs> the roles. And then once he starts killing, then I'll get in the post. And then, so it's just, you know, we have to play. But I love that. I love, yeah. that. I love that that's a dynamic of basketball. Yeah, yeah it is. you can imagine when the AAU circuits are even – Going into high school and professionally, like yeah. your, your first impression is what people believe. Exactly. I walk in the gym, 6'5", 220. Right. He's like an NFL linebacker. Right. Hey, big man. And I like <laughs> right. Right. Like, especially, it's, it's even better for those who know me and the yeah. picture that don't. Yeah. Because I just see people laugh. Because like, big man, like, hey, set a pick and post. Like, nah, bro. That's not what I do. <laughs> that's not what I do. Maybe y'all need to hit Google one time. Yeah. And then people see me catching, see me dribble. And, like, as of now, people see that I train point guards. I'm like, oh, you train bigs? Like, I was never a center. I was a guard that posted up, so I'm able to teach you post Exactly. Like, you watch me dribble, it's like, oh. It was a point guard? If I was a point guard my entire life, I just didn't stop growing. Yeah, that's how, that's yeah you know, say. people, they just automatically, they like, oh. So I love it because technically when you do it in these other little leagues, you can I kill the one big dude that tries to guard me. And you kill him. about to get embarrassing. <laughs> like Shaq say, barbecue yeah, chicken. Yeah, barbecue chicken. But yeah, I always used to think about that, like, like as a, like as a kid, just like, man, like if I was in the league, like I had to guard these big guards, like, like especially you, you you were a big dude. Like at your at your size, like and the way you play, man. That's whew. I mean, but it wasn't always a perk. You know, I grew up around guys like Pooh Jeter. Yeah, I know Pooh very well. Yep. You know, just and the guards in LA who were smaller. Yeah. Pest. Me and Pooh been knowing each other since the age of nine. I can't stand it. Pooh, if you're listening, I hated you. Then we that's you would hate me too. Kid. Then hated you as kids. <laughs> Because my advantage was I was bigger than Pooh, but when I dribble, I'm at his chest. Exactly. So Pooh is turning me east and west. Yep. And he's just making the game harder. So I got smarter instead of dribbling. But that up helped the court. you though. Yeah, instead of dribbling up the court on him, I passed to somebody else and then took his little butt right to the post. Exactly. And then we had. And that's game. what I hated so much about being a little dude, because they're like, oh, barbecue chicken, this yeah. little dude. I'm about to sit here and fight you all. Exactly. But that also not the good. That yeah. also is IQ. Because you have a lot of guys that don't realize that. So if you're not going looking at film and studying, yeah. my IQ on the court changes everything. Because yeah. you could tell somebody, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this and that. But you don't see what he sees. Yeah. So he's like, all right, Pooh is a he's a pest. I can't dribble. He's going to try to rip me. But all right, let me throw it to the other guard, the off guard. Let me go to the post. Bring it up. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it's fine. I'm going to get 15, 20 quick. And now they got to figure out something. We're going to exactly. switch or they're going to double. Somebody's open. Yeah. If you hit the open 15-footer, we good. And I remember I learned a good lesson. I went to UCLA basketball camp like back in the day. And there was a guy that went to Dominguez. I don't know if you were there. Keith Brooks. He played with me too. Okay, yeah. I played so, with him too. Yeah, because he, yeah. So Keith Brooks was there, and he was killing like our big dude. And the coach called a timeout, and he was like, "Dorian, I want you to guard Keith Brooks." I was like, "Are you sick?" Like Keith is like what six, 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 seven, and he's a big dude. 
fast on the street. Shout out to KB. Yeah, man. Like, so he put me on key. And like you said, like, I didn't know I had it in me, but I was just being like how I usually am, just being a pest. Like, he was posting me, but I was faster than him. So I knew when he was, they were going to dump it down to him. So I would just be like all over it. Like, but it was, whew, I don't understand. I, I couldn't do 48 minutes, though. No, no, no. no. It's wearing for sure. <laughs> but in, in spurts, it works. In spurts of our college, I guarded bigs. You know, I hit my grown man strength real early. You know, mom just always, when I got in trouble, it wasn't whoopings, it was push-ups. Oh, you know, okay. Sit in the corner and talk to you. Right? So I got strong real fast. Yeah. So I was able to defend multiple positions. Being a point guard, I got to guard guards anyway. Right. And being 6'5", long arms, good physique. Like, yeah. Sometimes big men are getting foul trouble, and I'm able to hold my own. Right, right. So it's just one of those things you'll learn how to use your ability against people that may be bigger, right, and stronger, or even faster. Wow. How was the, how was the when you played with the U.S. was the West Regional? I mean, it was your team. USA was composed of sixty players, top yeah. six players in the country. Um, LeBron was the only underclassman here, but through age, he's up my right. class. His birthday is just in December, okay. so we're the same age. So that's that camp of sixty was then broken down to twenty-four. Those two twenty those that twenty-four turns into two teams of twelve that go to represent okay. USA, which is your gold team and your blue team. So you make the twenty-four and yeah. you're placed on the team. So when I was placed it was me, JJ Reddick, LeBron, Carmelo, Mario Stoudemire, LeBron Williams, wow. Chris Bosch, yeah. um Sean Adams, Evan Burns, like just oh Jared Jack, Raymond Felton, Sean McCants, loaded, loaded talent, and it's just every day at camp was a war. Yeah, you like, said some names. War. Wow. Just and, I, and let me tell it. I believe that's one of the. I think that's the second strongest class mm-hmm. to have ever come out outside of the '96. I believe, right, right. The '96 class. I believe the '02 class was crazy. Wow. I think we had. I think we put '02 on our. Yeah. Has to, that's one of the crazy. We did one of our favorite yeah. draft classes. I think '02. It was. It was strong. Yeah. It was so strong. It was a very strong class. Well, since I mean, not to get off the. Like some of the we questions we had, we just having a conversation because we like we talk basketball all the time. So when we get to talk to somebody like yourself, like it's why it's not like Christmas for So how do you feel about about the draft class this year? Well, I understand something. Being a trainer, I do pre-draft. Okay, I've been a pre-draft going into my fifth year. Because uh, oh, you guys helped TJ Leaf, right? I've had I had three selections this year out of the five that we had in camp. We had TJ Leaf, we had Jordan Bell, and we had uh, Ek on the Bogu. The um, the bit small dude. I used to like shout out. I'm sorry, kid. If you yeah, know, it's so hard to pronounce your name. But um, last year we had uh, we had two uh, two guys get drafted the year before we had five. Wow. You know, so in my pre-draft history, we've had at least one guy drafted every year for five years, uh, along with my guy AJ Diggs, who we do, yeah. we do pre-draft together. Yeah. So uh, the pre-draft process is fun. You know, getting these kids for eight weeks and trying to change their game to fit the NBA. Right. Which is unique because in college we're taught system. So I'm now trying to get you out of the system to get you in a different type of system. You know, you just don't run near and set a screen in college because the NBA has to play freely at some point. Be able to get the ball and score. If you can't do it in two dribbles, get off of the ball. But um, this draft class, I think, is strong. Um, I was at the NBA Summer League. I uh, got a chance to see some of those guys up close and personal. And, um, the NBA, the future of the NBA is in good hands. Right. Um, I'm a big fan of Dennis Smith Jr. Good God Almighty. Dude. <laughs> um, I was at the game. Um, I remember ESPN posting a clip. Uh, I was at the game sitting courtside 
where they were playing the king and he turned the corner and jumped and missed the dunk. Right. I was watching that game. So if you watch the video, if you get a chance to watch it on replay, Whew. I was on the I, I'm on the screen. They show okay. it, they scan the crowd, I'm sitting there. I was literally getting ready to run on the court. Cause he like he, it was like the dot quick exactly it was his reaction time as a trainer and as a spectator of the game was just like hold on how like he was casual he made a move and next thing you know he's in there exactly that. and it's like hold on what are you about to do like and he tried to kill the rim so. and he could have made that he could have just dropped it too hard exactly too hard but I got a chance to see Josh Jackson who might be the most NBA ready guy mm-hmm. in, uh, in the draft um, Darren Fox is, is good um, Jason Taylor can play. Uh, John Collins can play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Caleb Swanigan can play. It's, it's some great guys. Like Donovan Collins. Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's a player. He's a um, Markel Fultz player. So these young guys can play, you know. But uh, one of the people that were most surprising, and, and I'm good friends with his handlers, is uh, Lonzo Ball. Um, I wasn't always the biggest fan of him mm-hmm. because a lot of his game I didn't know can translate to the NBA. Right. Um, he still has some, some some flaws, but he's young and. And he'll get he'll get better, uh, but I went up to him after the game where he scored thirty six, um, and just told him like I'm sorry. And he's laughing because his handler, you guys see him all the time. His name is Darren Moore. I he's see him. Dark yeah, that's always with him. So I've known Darren. I've helped Darren when he played professionally. Okay. So me and Darren are very close. So Darren's like, man, Key, this is Lonzo. Lonzo, what's up? I'm like, look, bro, I'm sorry. He's like, what? I'm like, I didn't think he was this good. I like, what do you mean? I was like, I never saw you play up in high school. Didn't watch you in college. In person, I can sense a difference. Yeah. And uh, I said, you got a bright future ahead of you. The one thing I'll give him, we all know his shot is weird. Right. You know, mechanic-wise. He is the most composed player I've ever seen. And that's what we talk about. Like, you cannot speed him up or nothing. I watched him for three straight games sitting courtside. Missed shots. Bad. Throwing off the side of the rim. Hit all backboard. His facial expression never changed. That's crazy. He throws a great pass, a bad pass. Never changed. And I'm sitting here looking like, I would have been irate. Right. I wore my emotions on my sleeve. If I drop you a dime and you drop it, it's a it's, problem. Yeah, I'm yeah. pulling my hair, hands going up, shirt coming off, coach is like, Keon, control your emotions. I'm like, man, he got scored. Yeah. Like, I'm a stat guy. Yeah, I need my assist. Exactly. Like, you know, like, I missed two threes. I'm not shooting them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I saw that kid go one, two, four, eleven, and yeah. never changed his facial expression. And that's what I appreciate about him. Like, we oh, see his dad him. off the court, and then this dude is just... It's the different people. Just oh, even tone. The whole time. The whole time. Never too high, never too low, which is a blessing to be a rookie. Yeah. Because you're going to have highs and lows. Yeah. You know, Especially as, being As you team. move on to your superstardom, of course, that has to change. But to be able to deal with, like, I'm in my rookie slump, I hit that wall, you won't know. Because he won't be too high when he's doing well. He won't be too low when he's right. doing bad. So... Um, I had to apologize for him. Let him know, like I, I believe you. I'm not a soul believer yet, yeah. but I'm on my way. I'm, yeah. I'm behind you. That's wow. the conversation we just had on our last podcast. because yeah. I was just—he's very composed. So Great. I'm like, sometimes I feel like, is he playing at forty percent? Like, do you not care? I'm like you. Like I'll play pickup and get furious with somebody. Like, what are you doing? But him, you don't know. You're like, damn, you missed a bad shot. You missed two bad shots. You missed a layup, but he's just. Like move a, on to the next it, play. Would you compare him like to, to Kawhi's no. temperament? No, because Kawhi is different. Yeah. Kawhi's a mute. Kawhi is different, but he has an inner fire. Okay. So watching Kawhi, you know when it's time Kawhi's going to wake up. Yeah. No, I know that. Like, like I'm just saying. saying. If you're Kawhi, is, yeah. you know he's going to wake up. Yeah. You know, but he's just been, Kawhi's just a nice guy to every <laughs> sense of the word. He's a nice guy. 
had a chance to get around Kawhi for a few years. He's a nice guy. Like, right. that's how he is. He doesn't talk much. He has a very, very small circle. You know, not the partying type. Yeah. Smoke, drink. I've never seen it. You know, very humble guy. Mm-hmm. He steps in between those lines. He doesn't say much, but his actions do more. Right. So he's definitely that inner fire. Like, he wants to be the best to go for. Wow. It's perfect fit for Pop, right? <laughs> so who do you think the best prospect coming out of this year's draft it's tough. I mean... Because it's a lot of dudes. Not necessarily a lot of dudes. When I try to explain to people, because I went through this path, yeah. I'm pretty sure we all have. Success is situational. Mm-hmm. It's where you're placed. Like, you've, system, seen, you've seen guys who are supposed to be superstars in the wrong system. Yes. Right. And it's just like, oh, what happened to them? Sometimes you can't blame the player. That's true. Sometimes it's just the bad system. It's just the, the wrong surrounding. It just wasn't for you, you know? And, and, and it happened. So I can't really say what... What kid this year is going to be the rookie of the year? You just have to see. You just situation. have to see how it works because each player has a guy in front of them. That's true. You know, so when you look at the number one pick in, in Markel, you gonna it's gonna be tough for you to do what you did in Washington. Embiid is still coming <laughs> along. So, and let's not forget Okafor is there. Like you and Ben Simmons. You, oh, Ben Simmons. Who hasn't played a game? Like, exactly. You have three people that are still trying to see how good they're gonna be. Exactly. So we don't know when your time will come. Right. You know, will they match together? I hope so. That's a young team with talent. This guy's not an Embiid uh, believer. I, I mean, trust the process at some point. I mean, just his, just his, his, his intangibles. Don't point to me. Just his intangibles <laughs> alone, he's going to be a problem. See, oh, we'll wait. I mean, but that's not what I'm saying, but he's been hurt. He's been like, That's his major like play. 20 games. 20 games. It's, hard. It's, hard. It's, hard. it's hard. Listen, it's hard to say how good he's going to be when he hasn't had a chance to <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But Come on. A lot of these kids, like, you know, when you look at it from uh, Taylor's perspective, like, Isaiah Thomas, Horford, Gordon Hayward. Like, I mean, let's not forget that they drafted Jalen Brown. Like, right, he's a problem. Not like he's a problem. I just think Danny Ainge just had a a history of drafting best available. So he's more of like, well. I'm not gonna let you have him. Right. I'm, I'm gonna take him and exactly, out, exactly. I'm not gonna play against him. Exactly. You know, so it's one of those yeah. things where you don't know. You know, people people put so much pressure on Lonzo. You know, his father put more. The Lakers are gonna be in a transition. You yep. Know? Like Jordan Clarkson is still gonna play. You know, Kentavious is going to play. Right. So where Lonzo just has to figure out where he's where he plays. Kyle Kuzma, another guy. Um, like solid player. Who, man. You got Blue Out Day. You have Julius Randle. He's a four. Mm-hmm. What do you do with Larry Nance now? I said that is just we gotta figure this part out. But best available. No, I'd yeah, rather yeah. have him than not. Exactly. Like exactly. Said, the system. We have a saying that we we always say certain players go places to die. And I'm not right. literally, but we just say, oh, there's dying fields in India. Exactly. And we you think know. Sacramento, Sacramento <laughs> used to be one. <laughs> but now, <laughs> used to be one. They, they got a little... Brooklyn is one. Brooklyn oh, is definitely Orlando one. is one. Oh, exactly. So those are dying fields. Yes. You know, and Sacramento can be one because if you look at it in their past, they've gotten rid of all-stars. Let's not forget, Hassan Whiteside, Marcus Cousin, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Exactly. So... I don't know what the management is doing, but if you kind of slowed down, you might have had a number three seed in the West. Exactly. Because that's a team. That is a team. That's a team. You have a son, Whiteside, so, and DeMarcus Cousins. You have the Pelicans. Now he just got Isaiah Thomas. Like, okay. So, like I said, when you when you look at it from the perspective of managing talent, um, it's going to be a sight to see how these rookies yeah. fit in. You know, every year is different because every rookie of the year, 
you won't know. Like, That's true. No one could have thought Malcolm Brogdon was going to be at all. He's special. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but you didn't think that because coming out of college, he was just kind of like good. He, yeah, he was good. He wasn't like exceptional, he was but he was good. He was consistent. Yeah, and and, 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 yeah. and the system, he, J exactly. Kid being yeah, like, a point guard, exactly. like he was saying. All that plays a factor. It does. Everybody said, oh, well, Ben Simmons is going to – and then Ben got hurt in the uh, summer league, and then they're like, oh, well, what about Embiid? But he only played 25-plus right. games. Yeah. And other players, they overlooked him. They did. And I sure did, honestly. I, and, and he was very consistent the whole year, and that's yeah. what it's about. Yeah. So, um, you know, basketball, we get excited. Oh, get excited. And they talk about me, not him, but my wife and other people, because I, I tape every game almost. So I've taped – Every NBA summer league game. Okay. So I haven't even finished. Well, I know who won the championship, and who got MVP, but I sit there and watch because we love basketball. There's yeah. nothing going on right now. We know the Drew is going on the VBL, not so much Rucker anymore, and then they have the basketball, the two million dollar. But we just love basketball, so I sit there and watch old uh, open courts. Old, oh wow! You know, just different things. Cause I, we love basketball. Yeah. We we were very excited to go. To Air West a couple weeks ago yeah, and man. see basketball. We could sit there for hours and watch yeah. basketball. It's interesting that you guys can do that because I find myself hating it. Me being so involved in basketball, my life literally. Yeah. I don't want to see it on my spare time. Really? I don't. I don't. I don't want to watch film when I don't have to. I don't want to go, like I said, we spoke about yesterday. I did not want to go to the Drew League if I did not have to be there. Yeah. Because you have to understand, I got up this morning. And I saw the same players that played in Drew League. I yeah. got to teach them, get them better, because right. they leave overseas in a few weeks. So it wasn't like on my free time I want to watch it. The only reason I was at Summer League is because it's a networking possibility. But of course. It's not really like I just want to watch basketball, because I don't want to watch basketball. It's around 24 7. I'm around it all day. So do I know, I mean, I know you watch NBA games. No, I don't. You don't? I don't. When I go to games, I people watch. Really? It's because you have to understand. I can't watch it or enjoy it from a spectator's point. Exactly, because you're because you're like exactly I'm sitting there watching it. And like you should have down everything. exactly. So if we go to the game, we boys, we tell y'all trying to have a good time. Y'all trying to see a good game. I'm going to piss you off. Yeah, I'm going to sit there and tell you what the play they're running, where the screen's supposed to be, what yeah. shot he's supposed to take. Yeah, I'm going to just I'm I'm going to get a coach trainer mode, which is so hard to step out of. See, I thought I was bad. I'm, I'm sure. Like that's how I felt working in the film industry for so many years. I can't watch a movie without picking apart every little thing. I'm like, oh, I know where that was. Like, I, that's a bad cut. Like, I same same way you do you do with basketball. I thought I was <laughs> doing that with basketball, but clearly, uh, it's from a different standpoint. You see it from a way different. And the game is slower than me. Right. The game is slower than me, so I'm able to. Dissect it just like you would in filming. And exactly. Editing. I'm able to. I see it frame by frame, so I'm knowing the the, the speed of the game and knowing who's going to start going. Right. Certain shots that people taking. Who's about to start getting the rhythm? You can tell who hasn't tested in a few possessions and how he's about to like stop rebounding. Big man. They like as a coach, I'm able to. I have to break that down. <laughs> yeah. And watch that. Yeah, yeah you I'm do. I'm sitting there watching the game and. Let's see the big run down four or five times, didn't get a touch. Yeah. <laughs> we talking about that scene, you know. <laughs> he's not gonna rebound. Right. It might not be a blocked shot. He's not gonna hedge on that screen because he's thinking, damn, I'm just out here getting cardio. Right, right. So I'm saying, I said, that's what I'm looking at. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm watching different things. I'm not worried about, oh, good move. Yeah. Like, if he rotates, the baseline dude is gonna be over. Right. He has to roll replace. So I'm playing a whole game in my head before they even play the game. So that has to be very frustrating for you as a coach to. <laughs> 
But but no, I've seen you coach. I've seen you coach, but I know you get into people. But I feel like you still are very like you're not like a Tarkanian. No, no, no. Like I mean, that. Kill. Kill. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the reason I have to be that way, and this is the luxury of being me to some degree. Right. I train and coach my peers. Okay. There's people on my team that are either older than me, same age as me, or right below me. Right. So there's a respect issue. Can't sit there and come at you like that because you can realize, like, the homeboy is a line, there's a separation. I'm the coach. When we're out, I'm your trainer. When that's over, we're friends. You know, so once, once we're able to create that fine line, none of my players ever cross it. So I know what guys I can grab their jersey, yeah. of course, rev them up and get them right. And there's some I got to put my arm around them and hey, like kind of lead you to do this next, yeah, time, yeah. you know, and be thin or thick skin. I kind of know that because the luxury of me training them, I know how I can get into them when we're working out. Yeah. I know how you, I know how my voice affects you. Right. So in coaching, it's just one of those things where I'm able to create the fine line and not cross it. So being a coach, like what? What's the difference? Do you have to change up your, your delivery being a coach for men as opposed to being a coach for a women's team? To some degree. Right. And that is purely language. Okay. Because you can imagine. <laughs> yes. And no offense to any women listening, but when men get mad, there's a certain word we call men. Right. So, and that's not as disrespectful. You <laughs> cannot do that in the women's game. Right. Not saying that it's crossed my mind, but it is just like, you just be careful of language. Yeah, because we tend to desensitize certain words mm-hmm. that are very derogatory towards exactly women. and towards men. Though, yeah, towards men. so you can't do that. In the women's game you have to be very, very careful how you speak to them. But that doesn't mean that they're they're not less emotional or even more emotional because I've had some girls on my team who who will fight for it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, and I, my women's are pros. Okay, women are culture pros as well. So it's one of those things that they want to win and they want to be coached. So I'm just as into them as, as I am my guys it's just the language okay I'll yell at them I'll grab a jersey too but it's just the way I speak to them right it may okay. still be a harsh tone but I can't curse yeah. and say certain words that's what I was going to ask you because you know people always make you can't this, curse I just can't say certain words right you just make this distinction like oh they coaching women like not saying like girls are soft but you know like you see these coaches going at the dudes like super hard Whereas, you know, when you watch WNBA games, I don't really see – I know the coaches get at, get after their players, but it's not – I've never seen them, like like you saying, like grab a jersey and get in their face. It's not necessarily WNBA, but if you've ever seen Juno R.M. a coach. Yeah, that's true. It's, that dude is – Because he demands greatness. Right. And, and if your players understand and respect them, then yeah. they'll listen and they know the repercussions. Yeah. The one thing I always tell people when you watch or heard stories about uh, Bobby Knight, yeah. You know, no black women, you know, a black women never complain. Really? Yeah. Nah, I, no, I don't. I don't black know anybody. They loved it. Yeah. Cause we come from that. Grab you. Yeah. You up and it's normal. I need you to get this right. Right. So we, it wasn't a shock to us. You know, AJ Guyton and, and Albert Cheney loved it. Yeah. They all loved it. And I'll talk, I, I can play for it. Yeah. I can play for a tough coach because we come from tough backgrounds. It's just the dynamic that we live in, the demographics. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tough. And I try to relay that and put that message and, and instill it into my players. Like, all the players that play for me have to be tough. I have to know, and I hope this never happens. We pray it doesn't. But if a fight break out, I can trust you. You know, I don't want none of my players run to the room. Like, yeah. I need to know if something go down, I got you. Right. Do you have mine. Exactly. So I need tough players. If somebody go and elbow your teammate, what are you going to do? Are you gonna you gonna stop and protect your teammate? Are you gonna cry about it and 
you know, so I need to know. So I have females that play hard, they play tough, they want to win. Nobody wants to lose. Losing is not a good feeling. There's a lot of people that do want to lose. You just don't want them on your team. They not you don't want them in your circle. <laughs> what are you out here doing? Never. You want to lose? Never, not me. I'm, I'm the worst sort of loser. You and me both. Uh, you and me both. Exactly. I just try to mask the competitiveness. Cause never. So, no. <laughs> you never. Checkers. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm not, I don't race, but I don't think that anything's a game. Same. Nothing in life is a game. I want to win at anything. Now, being a point guard and talking to another point guard, let me ask you this. Do you look at life differently, like, as I'm if you're worried. always playing? Like you, you say that I'm always playing. But you see, like, you but you can... I I break down life. Exactly. My life is a breakdown. Mm-hmm. I, I run a play in my head. Everything is an option. Because we were taught as point guard more than an option. So knowing where you are in certain parts of the city, where to make that left, yeah. do I keep straight? I know maybe three more minutes on GPS. I may not need to go this way, you know. Do I need to be at home at this time? Mm-hmm. I know where I'm from. I know where I gotta go. Like everything's an option, and we're taught to make the best option. That's exactly how I live life. Because I always thought, like, man, like I can't shut this off. Like you just, like you're saying, like you're always taught to have options. So, like being a point guard, like I'm always constantly like seeing things before they try to see things before they happen, or try to like if I do this, like then. I mean, don't get me wrong. As point guards, we make the flashy pass. Yeah. Outside of basketball. Right. Exactly. That's a that's a great point, man. I like that. I like that a lot. So, what do you enjoy better, coaching or training? I'm torn between the two. Really? I'm torn between the two. One, as I said, is as a, a the longevity of it. Mm-hmm. Training you see is a product that is going to stay on the shelf for years, and I'm able to always pick it, take yeah. it, touch it, maneuver it, carve it. Like you're just making your own masterpiece, you know. But coaching is that. It's right there. I got 32 minutes of Benadryl League, you know, overseas is 40. So it's like, that's all I got. I got 40 minutes to coach you. It's so quick, so fast. A workout for basketball is maybe an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So you condense it to 40 minutes of trying to get five people or a team to play the, one, the way you want them to play. Given the circumstances of being on the road or being at home, being down or being up, being in foul trouble, not having a great day. It's like so many more, so many more things play a part in the coaching that you have to account for. Momentum, flow, you know, just energy, just outside of training. Training is literally just us. If I don't like something, we can stay here until we get it right. Right. You can't do that as a coach. This player, just, you just can't get off tonight. I, I got to sub you. But I got to be able to sub you without you losing your confidence. Because right. I'm going to need you. Yeah. I'm going to need you again. Maybe three, four minutes. Sit down, figure this out. I'm going to need you. You know, In training, like I said, you're going to have days where you just can't get the drill or the shot's not falling. But we're still going to constantly shoot. You can't shoot yourself out of the game in training. But you can shoot yourself out of the game in the game. So do, would you say you see yourself as being a coach down the line? I do. I do. The end game for me is coaching. Okay. The end game for me is coaching, as we spoke earlier about going to get some of the, yeah. that networking is to get in the door. You know, I've interviewed 17 of the 30 teams in the NBA for their uh, player development position yeah. um, over the last three or four years. And I'm trying to get that foot in the door, like my guy, A.J. Diggs. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, talk Rico, about Rico that. Rico Hines um, as well, like. Just trying to step in. Trayvon Bryant as well, who just became an assistant coach with the Brooklyn Nets. Long Beach State, uh-huh. right? No, uh, Deshaun Bryant. Oh, okay, Deshaun. Yeah, okay. To, uh, Long Beach, Jordan. Right, okay. So, it's trying to get your foot in that door. You know, once you get in that door, it's a it's a, it's a yearly process. You know, when you look at guys like Eric Spolstra, who was a film coordinator and moved up and became the head coach. So, I do see coaching as the end game because the one thing you do understand about training has a ceiling. 
you get to the NBA, it's there. And it's not the same as it is in the come up. You know, getting these guys to their professional jobs, getting these guys to the NBA, there's a certain feel to it. But when you just see NBA guys every day that literally have their own peons, KD has his guy. You have your guy. So I'm just paid to make sure if you need anything. Oh, okay. So you lose the intimate feel because it's not personal anymore. Right. It's business. Like, I'll just be in the gym and if, hey, you need somebody to rebound, I'll get paid to rebound for you, you know. Really? No, that's how it is. Like, there's no personal. Because mind you, you make your money. You hired your trainer. You have a trainer. So most of these dudes, Jimmy Butler's guy, uh, Chris Johnson. Shout out to Chris. Jimmy keeps Chris with him at all times. Has him on salary. Whoever the Timberwolves player development guy is, you're not going to work with Jimmy as much as you are. Chris didn't work with him all the time. That's what he's used to. Chris is the one he credits for getting him to his max contract. If I'm the Timberwolves player development guy, I'm like, I know me and Jimmy Butler are not going to have a kind of relationship outside of practice, which is where we're needed most. I never thought about that, man. Is there anybody that you've enjoyed training the most? I'm a kid. Most people know in the LA area. He's not from Los Angeles. He's from West Covina. Uh, Jonathan Gibson. He's probably my prize people. When people will hear my name, they attach and associate with him, and vice versa. Um, I brought him to the jewelry. Um, it's just one of those, the reincarnation of Alan Iverson. And that kid can get a bucket. And it was just being able to work with him and have him accomplish the goals and dreams that he originally told me. You know, when I met the kid seven years ago, fresh out of New Mexico State, he wanted to be a millionaire. He wanted to get to the NBA. And God put us in a unique situation last year. He was picked up by the Mavericks. Um, his second game in the NBA, he put up 26 against the Magic. So I was able to watch it and be like, wow, we made it. You know, because he put in the work. His goal was to get to the NBA. And I told him the only path is we have to make our name known everywhere we go. He's played in six countries. I mean, he's played, he's played freshly six years. He's like, he's like every league he's played in, he's scored. So I take a lot of, you know, a lot of credit for that because he didn't necessarily know how to get there. Then I just said, this is the goal if you want to get there. Like, we got to make everybody remember who you are. That's he dope. Every, uh, two years ago, he let China score after 40. Wow. The highest PPG in 12 plus years or something. Wow. That's crazy, man. And that goes back to when you started telling everybody you were able to get the footnotes on, I can get you there and you just got to work hard. Exactly. Once you got hurt, you're like, okay, well, I just go down a different path, mm -hmm. you know? And that's been the blessing. That's dope. That's amazing. Wow. So, I mean, we mentioned this earlier, but you want to talk about Air West a little bit? Like, I love it. Yes. Please talk about Air West, man. Uh, we went, what, two we, weeks ago, right? Yeah, we got the, we got the opportunity to go down and check Thank it out. Thank you for coming out. Yeah, Thank man. you for having us. Anytime, man. Like I said, kid in the candy store. Because <laughs> um, we had always been hearing it. And, like, before, like, we got to... Like, I reached out to you. It was, like, this mythical thing. Like, it is. It is. Air West. Like, Unicorn. Yeah, man. Like, Air... Like, because... Like me, like being in TV and stuff, like I see the location, I'm like, where the hell is that? Like, I need to find this. And every time I see it, I'll like look for the tag on Instagram and try to see now, it. And then, you know, he gave us the info. And, it's, um, oh, I couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> <laughs> this is our fifth, uh, fifth year. This, uh, this, this year is our fifth summer. Our mm -hmm. fifth year. Air West is your one. Um, it was a, a love child created by uh, Chris Young and myself uh, five years ago. Just an idea that we thought that the city needed. Growing up, we heard about the UCLA. I was able to actually go to one or two, and they were legendary. I mean, where I didn't even play. At that time, I was a somebody. So <laughs> I can't okay, hoop with y'all. This is tough. Like, so we understood that, and we wanted to take elements from like all the runs in Los Angeles and create something 
that had its own exclusivity and uniqueness. And I thought that's what we did. So we came up with the idea. Chris uh, works at the gym that where it was held. Oh, okay. So we found out. That, I didn't know that gym was there. I never knew. I never knew that gym was there. So, <laughs> so I, I came up with a blueprint of like, this is what we should do. You know, <clears throat> and the luxury that Chris and I were put in was Chris is an older guy. He's in his 40s. He's at 40. I'm 33. Mm -hmm. So we have, the, we have the range. I know the guys that are still playing. You know the guys that are almost done playing. So it's like he's a high school coach. I'm a trainer. So we have the database. We know everybody that picks up the ball in L.A. So we just went to our friends. You know, we basically sold a product to Nike on something that we knew our friends would support. You know, and that was just exactly how it came down to it. Just, hey, if we wonder who... What nights will work? All right, because you know they're doing this over here at 12. They got this day over here at 11. Would y'all do a night run? What time? What if we had reps? Would y'all want jerseys? Because, you know, nobody want to do shirts and skin. Yeah. A new dude want to come in and you got on black. You don't want to pass dudes from pass ball to the wrong person. We don't want to sit on game point forever, so we might need reps. What's a good score to go to? How long do you want to play? So we filtered everything. Yeah. It's like a year. Just picking brains of our, of our players. The guys that are playing overseas. The guys that are playing NBA. And then we had figured it out. Chris had a location. We had just gotten into it with working with Nike, getting around them, and meeting guys, and having an idea that y'all might be interested in. The longest running program in Nike. Wow. We love the format. <laughs> yeah, like I was very I was very impressed how organized it was. And I mean I had heard, you know, like you guys have reps, you have Score keys, music, music DJ, and you like, run on two different uh -huh, courts. Floor, yeah, yeah. Floor, we didn't know what was going on because we, we're sitting there and we're like, <laughs> we and then we saw you disappear and, and then we heard see, yelling. We, we was like, like oh, Keon, and then we were like, oh, <laughs> we hear all the yelling. We're like, oh, we need to go to the other. Yeah, hey, man, like I said, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful it thing. It is, Shout man. out to all the players in Los Angeles who supported over five, over five years, all the NBA guys who got yeah. it, and even the uh, internet celebrities that come Right. You know, man, it's a. It's a blessing. Oh, football players. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was here a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw so that. We get guys. We get guys to come out. Famous Lowe's. Um, uh, B-Dot. You know, yeah. These guys uh, text us all the time. And they, the battle rapper shots to my boy Daylight, you know, Daylon Campbell. But, um, they just want to be a part of good basketball. And that's what we provide. We provide that for NBA. NBA teams have reached out to me, scouts, overseas people. Really? We use Air West as a nucleus to help in any fa any form we can. I've had agents in that gym. I've had high school coaches, college coaches. So it's a the reason it's not sanctioned is because it's a it's a organized run put on by me and Chris. Oh, okay. So it's not like there's something paperwork-wise or documentation that needs to happen. And these coaches are free to say, hey, I'm in the city. I want to go watch basketball. Wow. So it's so happy Marvin Bagley might be here. And if you were a college guy and you were looking to see how good he was against pros, you might just be able to pop in the airways and see it. We had that situation. Um, I spoke about this before when Stanley Johnson and Daniel Hamilton mm -hmm. were in high school. Um, getting ready to go to their respective universities, uh, UConn and Arizona. And um, that night they showed up, first night. DeMar DeRozan and James Harden showed up. I think I've read yeah, about it. Yeah, like, okay, okay. Like, it was I, one of the most unique experiences because the hype on Stanley was he was bigger than everybody in high school, you know, bigger than everybody in the pros. Like, how does this game translate to the NBA level? And you have DeMar DeRozan and James Harden walk in. Who runs their West? Chris and I. Who puts team together? Me. I got a matchup for us. <laughs> Let's put the future against the present. Mm. So I put the two high school kids against the two pros. And it fueled it. 
Nice. The pros know we're not going to take it easy. You know, like, don't let these kids embarrass you because now you're playing for pride. Yeah, what's going yeah. on? Is the most the, the, the best talent in the city on that night under one roof fighting for your pride because we all know each other. So we're gonna leave Wednesday. I'm gonna see you Thursday. Yeah. And guess what we're gonna talk about? What happened last exactly. night? Exactly. So if you get out there and get dunked on, get embarrassed, <laughs> it's gonna buzz. And guess where else you're gonna see each other? Oh, we're in the Drew League. We'll see you this weekend. Yeah. We're gonna talk about it that you do not wanna let Aaron West be the lead up to like right. summer. And we've seen it. We've seen NBA players get dunked on. You've seen NBA players dunk on people. Yeah. You've seen the buzz of that place just blow up. That's know? crazy. The NBA, NBA teams love it. It gives those guys, those rookies, those young guys. We had Devin Booker and Clarkson come out of their rookie year. As soon as their season was over, go straight to Airlines. Wow. Now, I never get this story. Metal World Peace got released by the Knicks on a Tuesday. Called me Wednesday morning and was at Air West that night. Cause he needed somewhere to get the run in. He needed to stay. That's big state. time, man. Won't call me. I don't yeah. Know just want me. I don't know what's going on. Keep my reps in. He was there the next night. That's awesome. Got released Tuesday with that Air West Wednesday. That's awesome. That's saying something. Two years, three years ago, they lost in the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. He was at Air West the next week. Just like, oh, we can even go to this year. They lost this year. He had that bad game six. Game seven. Ten. Had that bad game seven. A week later. That's crazy, so man. People know it's like if you want to, you know, keep on your, keep working on your game against great competition, organized, good atmosphere, no fans. Like we have some spectators. We love for people yeah. to come out and support. But we can't have the can't have a Drury crowd. No, or even less than that. I get it. Yeah, we, we just want your we want your family and friends to be there. Yeah. We don't need a crowd. It's expected of them every night, yeah. night in, night out. For those dudes that have to sign out, gotta take pictures. How about you just walk in there? What we call like, the basketball safe haven. Exactly. It's very intimate. Like you just walk in. Like, yeah, it was beautiful. Like I said, you walk in just when all those dudes in there. Like I, I've heard NBA players that, that have passed through here, KD, Paul George. You know, walk in there and be like, bro, this is cool. Like, yeah. no one's gonna bother you. No, I've had I've had years when we had security just to be, just to be safe. But them dudes in there being themselves, shoes kicked off, having a conversation, shaking hands. Like you may have one dude that like may be a fan of you, picture, but that's cool. It's not a line of kids. Right. Nothing wrong with that. But they they they're so used to it. Like I want to take that element away from it. So they could just just come shit. move exactly. Just imagine if you go somewhere like we mess up. Who cares? Right. You just hoop. who cares? I control the media. I'm not gonna put that out. Oh yeah. If you got embarrassed if he fell, got dunked on. I'm not gonna show it. <laughs> right. And if I do, it's just like it's in good fun. I'm yeah. not trying to get ESPN or somebody to right, right. and be like, oh, you found such and such. No, I'm not gonna embarrass my guys. Come back. Come back and enjoy the experience. Yeah. Every year, James, Brandon Jennings, Demar. All of the guys come through. Have you and Chris thought about another night, maybe? Of course, <laughs> of course. I know you don't want to overdo it, or no, we've another. You're not. You're not in the wrong. That's you're not thinking of what you're thinking. Even our think tank of people. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. One another night. Just the thing is, when you're doing the summer, it works in the fall, winter, right, spring because those people are here. Yeah. In the summer. We try not to step on the toes of other leagues or other runs. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all we wanted to include a midday run. You know, because the midday runs you have going on in UCLA, we didn't want to interact with them. We didn't want to conflict with them. Yeah. You know, when you saw the runs with Russell, Clay, right. and, um, Carmelo, and those guys, yeah. like we can do that easy. We can do it easy, but it's like ah, we don't want to take the 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 the, the ambience that UCLA is already bringing. Don't take from LA, add to LA. That's dope. We know where they're at. So we're like, ah, we're not going to do what they do. Let's, right. let's keep it on our night. We're the only night run. Oh, uh, okay. Los we have another one, um, 365 Grind. We have a run out in the IE. Okay. But the thing was to branch out um, and try to get another night. We also want to do a night where 
the other night was dedicated to younger talent. We have our pro night, and then we have our like high school college kids. Nice. Because when all the pros are home, we don't want to lose sight of them. You know, like so we have the story with Daniel and Stanley. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a few more high school kids that belong in this conversation. Yeah. But all the pros are here; they're not going to be able to play. Right. And we don't have so much time with them because when the pros leave, they're in school now. So mm-hmm. it's like, ah, we missed. We missed on a Cody Riley or yeah. a Marvin Bagley because he's that good school now. So trying to figure that part out. That's dope. Like we, we were, he didn't want to do it for women. Trying to move on for women. Like we're just trying to be the the culture changes of Los Angeles. That's it's dope, man. You're doing it. That's dope. That's, that's, that's the that's the goal. That's the goal. That's my that's my intimate goal for myself. My personal channel is to be and take this with a grain of salt. To be like the Martin or Malcolm of basketball. For Los Angeles, and that's why it was so important for us to get you on to the podcast. That, I want to be that ambassador. Yeah. I really want guys to get off that plane at LAX and have any basketball question, they know who to contact. Exactly. Like, oh man, I'm looking for a good run. Oh, call Keon. Oh, they yeah. near here here today. Oh, what city you in? Oh, call this dude. He got you. Oh man, I need a Drew Lee team. I know every team I need to play in what position. Oh, I got you. Oh man, my dude here. You looking for a workout? I got. What city you? I got a trainer here 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 here. Wow. It's not always about me. Of course, I love to take all the clientele. Of I love to coach everybody. I love everybody coming here west, but it doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. So I want to be able to put people in spots where we're all taken care of. You have this one united front, trainers, coaches, friends, family, like just to put LA on. I believe LA is a new mecca of basketball. I was going to ask you, where do you see the state of L.A., like, Southern California hoops? Like, has it changed over the years? Of course. We run this. You remember New York in the 90s? Of course. Like, Los Angeles is a birthplace of talent. You look at top 10 in the NBA, four of them might be from here. Exactly. I believe there's an L.A. dude on every roster in the league. You have the Drew League. Out of West is L.A. alone. Not, not including what's going on in the Northwest. There's some talent out in Vegas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We know we got talent in the Bay Area. Like, yeah. It's just the West Coast movement is strong. It is. It's just on a it's on a it's on a it's on a, a, a tidal wave of of things that are just to come. Like I just don't see how it slows down. I don't think there's ever gonna slow down. This is just from my own curiosity. Do you think the game has changed as far as kids developing earlier because of the internet and then being able to watch guys work out or watch guys more, have access to more footage than, you know, like say when we were growing up, we didn't really have a YouTube. Um, I think a lot of it nowadays is overexposure. I think the internet is hurting these kids. Yeah. As a trainer, you see it. You know, the game has changed on how we even play. The game is now threes and it. There's no more mid-range. We talk about that all the time too. Nope. Positions, obsolete. You know, I remember when we were playing traditional positions, tweeners were horrible. You couldn't play if you were a tweener. Where do you play on the court? You're not one, you're not a two. Now, if you're traditional, being a tweener is a specialist. Guys like, and I love Draymond, shout out to Dray. Um, Draymond wouldn't play in our era. Nope. He didn't have a position. You're six, seven. You're too small to be a four. You're yeah. Not active enough to be a three. Now it's just like, put the best talent on the floor. You see teams in the NBA playing with no centers. You know, but then you have specialists. KD is a 6 11 2 block. <laughs> you have, what's my, Giannis is a 6 Dude. 10, 1 through 5. Like, it's, 
what do you do with the game? Ron, 6'9", 260-pound person. Position, <laughs> do whatever he wants. Like, it just makes the game difficult. So I believe the talent level is increasing. Mm-hmm. Bodies are changing. There's yeah. more us around. The more yeah. big brutes and, yeah. you know, the, 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 the Shaquille O'Neal's of the world are gone. Gone. Even Marcus Gasol had to lose weight. You know, Zebo has to slim down. Like, the massive builds are out, out the game. Everybody is lean and mean. You know, the speed of the game has changed. It's quick, fast. The, the range of the game has changed. Everybody has to shoot three. You can't shoot three, you can't play. Wow. So, yes, I believe that. But it's affecting the kids in a different manner because certain people see certain talents. Right. And it's hard to match them. Steph Curry is not the kid or not the person you want to look up to. Steph Curry takes a ton of bad shots. He does. But he makes that. I was going to say, he so makes I don't need them. you running three on one and running <laughs> to the three point line. As Steph Curry didn't have the genes in his DNA right. to be a shooter. His dad's one of the greatest shooters ever lived. Oh. So, same thing with Clay. Like, those guys have been bred to be great shooters. You're trying to become a great shooter, but trying to copycat them, it's not going to help and that's what right. kids That's what kids are doing. Yeah. Kids are running to three-point lines. And that's three. crazy to me. It's not crazy because we're fans of it. Right. So, that's the kids are true. fans of it. Yeah. We can't wait to talk about this, the, the, the Warriors versus Cavs, Spurs. As soon as we see it, oh, this is fun basketball, but then we watch kids and like, what are they doing? Right. Because we can't separate what's yeah. right from what is what is good to look at. And what's right is no, no, no. That's why I do my junior Drew camps. That's why I do my inner city camps and my clinics. We're not doing it. Y'all not about to come down two on one, three on one, and shoot a three. Why does that three point line you saw it on TV? And the crazy thing is you see that at every level now. Like even in the tournament I saw that, like dudes like Back in our day, like you pull up for three for, on a fast Try break, <laughs> like you coming out, you, and you're coming out quickly. Nice. Like man, like. But it's the coaches too. Yeah, know, coaches, trainers. You know, you got a lot of people out here teaching a lot of gimmicks. You know, and that hurts the game for me, right? Because I'm sitting here, and a few, it's a few of us. It's a few of us that are really trying to teach the game. Yeah, and there's a few people just making money off of it. Then you say thing in college. You have guys that are willing to just get these one and done guys and mess up the college flow. You know, because when we was in college, you had to do two or three years. You know? Now one and done is hurting the game because after the assembly, I got to go to school. So if we're right. teammates, I'm looking at that. Like I got to go to study hall. I'm like really out here grinding this thing. Yeah. You just got to make it past the first semester. Right, because we saw the, I don't yeah, know if you watched it. Exactly. So something like that. Something like that. that opinion, it's, yeah. like, it's tough to watch as a teammate because we know how serious he is right. about us. Yeah. Like, no knock on Ben. I met Ben in the airport when we were leaving Vegas. Uh, shout out to Ben Simmons. Um, it's just one of the things. Ben didn't care. No. Nah. He didn't have to care. He had one goal in mind. So my goal was I just got to get through here and exactly. get to the league. And, like, imagine you and I, us, we're on the same team. We're here two, three years. Like, right. We got to enjoy our college experience. Yeah. We spoke earlier about it. We're going overseas. Yeah. Like, like college got to be a fun thing for me. Like, we, not, we don't have the, the luxury to sit out, you know, and, and lose games and not make it to a tournament. Right. Exactly. So, it's, it's tough to it's tough to, to manage that. I can only imagine the Coach K's and how parties go through watching all this talent come up and one, you know, build self to watch all this talent and then be like, I got to go. Because if you don't pan out, they have such a created such a culture where you get replaced. <laughs> they have the next All-American coming in yeah. one year. So now, like I said, now the, now the pressure's on one year, guys, to pick the right school. Pick the wrong school and you don't have a great year. Yeah. You want to get replaced. The next number two exactly. in the country is coming after you then. Yeah. So it's a so you We've see. seen that over the last couple of years. I We've think the that. kids that went to Kentucky went through that. They had Harrison Twins. Yeah. Where they were supposed to be super special coming out of high school. 
didn't have a great freshman year. Mm. Next year, reloaded again, and now y'all got to figure it out. Or that's injuries. How, that's how I feel about uh, what's his name, Briscoe. Exactly. Or injuries because yeah. your boy uh, Giles, didn't he get hurt? He messed his oh, up. Harry Giles, yeah, yeah. Giles, he was the number one guy. Yeah. Not, every, not everybody's Harry. No. They get hurt and still, still get up there. That's a whole other conversation. We'll have you on for another <laughs> Kyrie talk, will we? So, That's just for our last question, we were we were going back and forth trying to word this to, for you. If you had a choice, would you have still like gone down the road knowing like how successful you are as a trainer, mm-hmm. or would you have rather be an NBA player or sat on the bench for three years knowing you're not going to play? I wasn't that guy, bro. I was not that guy. And, and, and I struggle with that watching some of my players go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to play basketball. I'll give you guys a little, you know, exclusive insight to something. NBA wasn't always my goal. Okay. Like, it wasn't the goal growing up. Um, Michael Jordan was not my favorite player. My favorite player at the time growing up was Sean Kemp. Really? I don't know what I had turned on. I don't know what station it was, but I saw Gary Payton go with him a lot. I saw him dunk and swing around the rest. <laughs> I, I know all I can think of. Like, Mom, I don't need no money. Can you please give me a court? Why do you want a court so bad? I, had already, I played every sport. Yeah. I played every sport just to stay away from my parents. Right, right, right. I want to be around her. She's mean to me. Like, yeah. She loves me to death, but my mom is strict. She's a single mother. So yeah. You already know how that's going to go. Exactly. We're clash. Exactly. So it's like, I need to play every sport to stay out of the house. So football, basketball, baseball, soccer, anything I can do to stay away from the house. Yeah. So basketball, just, I just. Fell into it. I saw that dude dunk, and I just wanted to rim so I could swing with that <laughs> dunk and do what he did. And every time he did it, I wanted to more and more and more. Yeah. You know. And then as I started to watch more games, I just I I started to be realistic with myself at a young age. Oh, okay. I don't think I want to be Jordan. For what I don't want to shoot the ball at any time. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. I end up being the Jason Kidd. My favorite player, and I, to this day, the reason I wear number one and five, I told you I wear five for a few mm-hmm. reasons. Jason Kidd, Kenny Bruner, and Jason Hart. Those were my Kenny Bruner. One will always be my number because of Kenny Hardaway. There it is. That's this I guy. was the biggest Kenny Hardaway fan. The only, mo- the only money my mother ever spent on shoes because we couldn't afford them. And then once I got into AAU, I had shoes. But I asked her, only shoe I wanted was the first Kenny's. See, I don't know how she got that money. Those are dope, though. And I still got them. They, they Those gold, are dope. gray, blue, whatever. Yeah. Color. But that was the I was the biggest pity of the I used to tell people, I shouldn't be telling you this on the podcast. I used to tell people I was related to them. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, is my cousin. Like, I wanted to Pity Hardaway so bad. Man. And then in hindsight, we can laugh at it now. Yeah. My career did exactly what Pity Hardaway career did. Like, just, Which is unfortunate, too. It happens, and same thing with Derrick Rose. Yeah. I, I was afraid he would be this era's. Penny Hardaway, just <sighs> an exceptional talent who just injuries got him, you know. Yeah, man. And I was the biggest Penny Hardaway fan. So yeah. I think wanting to play would be the biggest thing for me. So to answer the question in its entirety, I wouldn't take away what I went through. Okay. I wouldn't take it away. Because playing the NBA, understanding the NBA game, I would have only I would have lasted some years because for one I'm tough, I'm competitive, mm-hmm. I'm defense. Yeah. I can lead a team, but my mimic would have been Rondo. I wasn't a exceptional shooter. Um, I had the ability to shoot. I just mm-hmm. didn't have the. I didn't want to shoot. Right. I was. I wanted to do these passes. Exactly. I just wanted to, I just wanted to help. You know, it's, it's funny that my career is helping, but I wanted to get y'all off. I wanted to come down, feed you, get see you dunking, get you wide open for a three, yeah. play hard defense, get a steal, and jump out the gym. But I think the path that I take, the path that I took, or that I ended up taking, um, affects more people. 
Yeah. Me being an NBA only would have changed the lives of any of my family. Me being a trainer and coach affects the lives of people and other families. So. Wow, man, that's that's the that's the answer that I was hoping <laughs> for. <laughs> But th- that's amazing, man, because that mindset that you have as far as, like, you wanted to help and see somebody else get off, like, that's not even here anymore. Yeah, like, but it, it has to be. It has, it, no, it, it has to. It has to. My career is strictly giving back. That's know, dope, man. Giving back to these kids. And some, I give back to some people who others give up on. Because yeah. I felt at one point people gave up on me. Which you, 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 it, was, it was warranted. Right. You know, I wasn't about to be the player you thought I was. Yeah. At one point in time, I was projected to be in the NBA. I fell short of that goal, and I saw people like, like turn a cold shoulder to me because I can't go make it. Damn, you know. And I see that now. I see certain guys that I have is like on the doorstep of the league, and I see people just like, nah, he's not good enough. He's not gonna make it. People said about Jonathan Gibson. I didn't give up on that kid. He didn't give up on himself. And then when you sit there and saw that, when that boy put on that Dallas Maverick unit, I got on the first flight. <laughs> I was in that arena. I got a chance to see that boy play in an NBA game. And that's got to be. It was nothing you could tell me. Right. It was nothing. And I'm a tough dude. You know what I mean? Cried. Really? That's, you, I mean, it has to be overwhelming. Like, no one, only him and I can understand that. Maybe wow. it's but some people that know, like, they, hey, I know how this feels. You're like, you know how y'all don't. Like, I literally changed that kid's life. Wow. Like, if I don't do nothing else in my life, I helped that kid accomplish the one goal I couldn't. Wow. I never made it to the league. Wow. I handpicked you. Got you, and I put you where you. I, I made your dream come true. Wow! Greatest feeling in the world to watch the dreams of others come true based on your participation. Well, that's probably why God. I mean, if you guys believe in God or whatnot, chose this man to get hurt and look what he's doing, helping other people. Yeah, that's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because I never took my injuries personal. I always blame my injuries on something that I didn't do. It's funny you say that. I'm a different person. Like I say, we'll have that conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. I think differently. Everything about me is different. You know, I was like, when I had my first injury, it was like, I didn't do something right. This was a, this is your warning. Mm-hmm. It wasn't major yet. This is your warning. Fix something. I don't know mm-hmm. whether it's read your Bible, go to church, yeah. pray mama more. Like, there's something you're not doing because every, wow. every action has your reaction. Exactly. So that was my reaction. God is saying, like, you had this. I was at the pinnacle. Y'all heard my high school stats. Yeah. You heard my high school accolades. We're, we're, we're probably the greatest high school team ever. Yeah. And it's one of those things like people didn't realize. Like, what is the, what is the number one what is the number one player in the country really go through? And then you saw it. <laughs> Had a decline. I hit rock bottom. I know yeah. how I felt. I was a dude that used to look at colleges like Long Beach State where I attended and be like, dudes go to mid-majors? Do you know the schools I was recruited by? Right. Like, you know, I was like the third player that was McDonald's All-American that had to get his vote rescinded. Because I chose the wrong school. Really? <laughs> I was the number one player in the state. I was the top five player in the country. Couldn't go to McDonald's game because I chose UTEP. McDonald's game at that time, purely about big market Of schools. course. I chose the wrong school, so I got replaced by D. Brown and Deron Williams. Wow. He got replaced. I mean, like, those type of things. It's like, when you're like, oh, okay, I made a decision. That was the consequence. Yeah. So when I got hurt, I got hurt in junior college because I went back to junior college. So I should have did one year like I was supposed to. Yeah. After I signed, we'll talk about why and all that happened. But I should have left. Should have left. I had a great freshman year at all the schools, same schools, number one player in the country, number schools, top five in the country. Easily could go wherever I want to go. Had three years of eligibility. I went back to junior college. I got hurt the first day. Microfracture surgery needed. 
Keon, you're not paying attention. <laughs> That's just a, I told you not to do it. We've had this battle. You yeah. had three years of D1 eligibility. Go. Why go back to junior college? Because right. you're going to be the second player to be drafted out of junior college. Uh, That's what I was told. That's what my yeah. coach made me believe. Oh, uh, okay. So it was one of those teams I listened to the wrong voice and not the right voice. And, ah, you're not hearing me. Let me do that to you real quick. You made me pay attention. Maybe you'll pay attention. So when that happened, I lost some confidence in myself. I couldn't go to UConn. Right. UConn offered me. UConn had one scholarship left. It's between Keon Kendrick, who's just coming off of microfracture surgery, or Rudy Gay. Yo. I think Rudy Gay might be the better pick for y'all because I'm I can't I'm gonna be a sh- I'm gonna be terrible if I get to the Big East and I'm not healthy and ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> so it happened. Then we're not knowing what we do in the summer. You know, I wasn't working out. Yeah, yeah. I'm being a kid. You know what? You don't take this serious <laughs> enough. It's just second injury. Oh. You're not listening. <laughs> you're not listening. I'm giving you all this God-given talent. And you're not taking advantage of it. You think it's just going to sustain and be there. You're maintaining. You're not trying to get better. Yeah. These kids wish they were 6'5", 225, jump out the gym strong. Like You have all the tangible. You have everything to be a lead guy. But you want to be a hood dude. I'll take something from you that make you change all that. Wow. So that's how I look at it. It's funny you say that. Because that's my mentality. Wow. Like, I didn't take advantage of it, so he took advantage of me. Took it away from it. And I miss it. I told you. That's why when you talk about it. Yeah. You know, oh, hell yeah, I miss it. But that goes back to it. Like, I've always heard this growing up because, you know, I'm a Christian, whatever. Um, but he gives you something. If you don't do anything with it, he give it to somebody else. So once I, once I realize the blessings... And the gift of the blessing. Yeah. Ah. You had it. It's still in somebody else. Now I'm super hard on everybody that's not trying to take advantage of it. Right. That's <laughs> because I saw it. And that's the conversation. Or I'm around you. Yeah. Don't be me. Right? Yeah. That's the pain in it, though. The pain yeah. and the joy of it is don't be Kim. Yeah. My story is an amazing story. But you don't want that story. Right. You don't want to be the dude who could have been something. I always tell people, used to bees don't make honey no more. Right. <laughs> hey, that's nah, I like that. don't make honey no more. I like you that. Don't want to be me. You don't want to be the Shea Cottons. <sighs> Nothing against the Ronnie Fields. You don't want to be those of the world. The Lenny Cooks who's in my class. You don't want to be them. Right. You don't want to be the story a kid can learn from. I want to be an inspiration that helps you learn more. Yeah. And that's how I just I walk forward with with my head up. That's it happened. That's how you move. Don't let it continue to happen. Yeah. Because now I still have the gift. I have the knowledge. I went through it. Yeah. Share it. You know, a um, few, few companies want to do a documentary, but I'm a little bit afraid of the transparency when you start looking into my home life. But it's it's a, it's a dope story, bro. Like, and I appreciate y'all, you know, Harvard Brand for bringing me out. Man. Oh, let, man. Me, let me share my little insight with you, man. It's Yo, like, like we said, like, you were one of our people that we wanted to get on the podcast because we, we're trying to build something here with our brand and... Why not shoot for the top? I appreciate it. And we got you, so, man. Like, oh, yeah, you got access to me, man. One thing I'm not is touching. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you can always reach out to me. And honestly, <laughs> like, when we when we first met you in person at the Drew League, like, we walked away like, he's a real dude. Because, yeah, like, you know, we live in L.A. and there's so many dudes oh, out here. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll call you, send us your email. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's funny because I meet people through Instagram. People people are weirded out that I respond. Yeah. I'm the person that runs the social media. I run all the social media accounts. My personal COC yeah. AOS. Okay. So when people ask, oh, man, what's up? How I get in AOS? I respond. Yeah. Send me a video you play. Let me see if you're good. I've invited people off Instagram. Come really? Through. Yeah, like, same thing. I've, I've trained guys that flew out here from other states. Like, oh, man, I want to work out with you. Let me know when you're in L.A. Like, really? <laughs> 
Yeah, if you get to LA, bro, I got you. Like, then you work out. Like, huh? Like, but it's so rare, man. That's, I mean, it's sad to say that because, you know, everybody has something to offer. Everybody has a gift. And I feel like if you living in this facade, like, you're not giving back to the world. Like, and I feel like when we met you, like, it was like a genuine, like, you were a good dude. Like, we don't, we just met you, but, you know, you get that feeling like this dude is, like, he knows his stuff and he's a genuine person and. That's the kind of people we That's need more of, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Listen, shout out to my grandmother, rest in peace. <laughs> my mom for that stare. Yeah, doing, yeah. You know, it's just one of those things. Is you gotta give back. The last thing you leave on earth is your legacy. Right, right. Not the cars, nah. the money, the fame. That is out. Yeah. The last thing people can do is how you treat other people. So if I'm able to affect a life one a life once a day, then the blessing is to be pursued. So, man. Well, we'll end it there, man. I mean, this has been a this has been an amazing podcast. Thank you, thank you, and thank you, Keon, for coming on, man. Like always, we always. really appreciate the conversation, man. I hope to see y'all again, man. Shout out to Harwood Brand for bringing me. We on, will man. definitely so, see us, man. We are we will be around. Anything I can do to help the community, uh, you have access to me. I don't give out my phone number, but yeah, you can email me at Keon underscore Kindred at Yahoo dot com. Uh, my Instagram, my uh, Twitters. Um, any of that that is me responding yeah. I do respond back so um, you guys can tag that or whatever put in your, uh, your notes so people can get at me like I said if you want to come to a Julie game or Air West like I'm, I'm okay with that you know, I'm not going to hide from the world I want the world to see it that's dope man alright well we're signing off it's your boy Ross uh, follow us hardwoodbrand.com always have a beautiful day yeah man I'm Dorian we out of here peace